Welcome to the History Tricks, where any resemblance to a boring old history lesson is purely coincidental. Hello, and welcome to the show. This is a different sort of show today. Today, we're going to take you through, with the assistance of the fine friends that traveled with us to our journey abroad, uh, we are taking you to London. For every single tour, we have a private WhatsApp group. So these people can meet before we even go, and they arrange themselves to these side quests. So there was groups that they formed to go to all these different side quests. So I thought that was an interesting addition to this particular tour. Yeah, um, that was the coolest thing is to watch all of these friend groups percolating and coalescing before we ever even went. Right. I saw this happen in the lobby of the Paris Hotel, but I'm sure it was also true for London. Two ladies who had never met before, but were obviously part of our group. One said, I'm going to run out and try to find this grocery store. And the second one goes, ooh, I'll go too. And then they gave each other this big hug. And they went, hi, I'm so-and-so. Oh, hi, I'm so-and-so. And then together, <laughs> not skipping, not hand in hand, but functionally that, went off to the grocery store together. Having, you know, never met in real life, you know, right, and they're in a strange right. city. They've They've never seen each other before, but they give each other a hug and and happily go on their merry way. I think it bemused the desk clerk quite a bit, but it was <laughs> quite amazing. Um, yeah. So that kind of thing was happening everywhere you looked. Yeah. I really think that's the main, that's the main purpose of this trip actually is friends getting together, all that have the same sort of passions. The very first day before the tour even started, there was a very large group that had gotten together with another listener who is a blue badge guide in London. That means that she's gone through training to be able to give these tours. And she offered the tour to our group. They organized themselves to go on a tour of the British Museum. Before the tour even started, they were all going off on their first outing. I love it. I love it. Now, you and I went on an outing. We went to Portobello Road. We did. We stayed in a different area than we stayed the last time we were in London, before we were in Westminster. This time we were in Kensington in a small boutique hotel, which was lovely with amazing staff. But Beck and I just took off on a walk. We were aiming towards Portobello Road, but whatever we found before then was just gravy. And we found what may be our favorite park. This park was Holland Park. We had a vague idea that there was a Japanese garden in there we might want to see, but we just kept meandering these paths. It was just such a beautiful fall day. We were outside and walking in this little oasis in the middle of the city. It was lovely. And it deposited us right by Portobello Road. We had to have Negronis for Negroni Week. It was International right. Negroni Week, actually. And then I had a special guest with me. I took my now 18-year-old son, Jet. And of course, an 18-year-old man is going to have different interests than his mother. And he immediately took off after Portobello Road to the TikTok famous South Bank skate park. <laughs> so I will tell you in a little bit about the other magical place that he went to, but he was excited to be independent and took off on his own. And um, that is a little bit of a growth for a parent to just say, okay, bye in a foreign country I, and wave your child goodbye. <laughs> Have fun. Just skate across town. Oh, goodness. <laughs> kind of, he's like, oh, I'll skate there. Like he had his skateboard and I'll skate there. Like, okay, wow. You go jet. He looked cool. He had it handled. It was me that had to have the Negroni. 
as a, as another mom, I was I empathized completely. Like, oh my gosh, that's almost that's very scary to watch the first time. It's like when they drive off the first time with their driver's license. You're like, okay, I have no control of this. <sighs> Kid, take the wheel. <laughs> If you haven't ever traveled internationally, Beckett and I go by this method to not have jet lag. We just keep going. We don't stop. Even though our flight got in at 7 a.m., we kept going till about 9 that night. You have to get right onto the sleep schedule of the country that you're in, is our theory. And it's always worked. Yeah. The first day of the actual trip where listeners started to come. Before everyone got there, we went to the Sky Garden, which is an amazing platform to view the city. If you're lucky enough to get a cloud-free day, which we have both days that we've been there, um, you don't have to eat at any of the restaurants. It's actually a free viewing platform that you can go to. So we went up there. We had a great Uber driver that broke every traffic rule <laughs> on the planet to get us across town. It was it was amazing. And then when we came back after having seen things like the Monster Supply Company in Leadenhall Market and Jet found a skate shop, of course he did. We got back and went on a double-decker bus tour with all the listeners and um had a meet and greet before then. It was that was the coolest thing. It was freezing cold. All the Floridians had to go sit below. <laughs> I think <laughs> poor things. Um it, it was quite frosty. It was so chilly. Uh, and I'm not a Floridian. And I had planned ahead. I had layers on, you know, a long sleeve shirt and a sweater and then a jacket over that. And I was so, so cold that I, it was almost distracting. So I wished that night that I had brought a warmer jacket or taken a blanket, something, anything, because it was chilly. But taking these tours at night is so magical. And I think it's a great way to see the city like black and white, you know, sparkling and, and looking its best. And you don't see anything in the shadows. You just see glittering things you have seen, you know, in travel photos before. And then over the course of the week, you can fill in the colors by actually visiting them during the day. It's one of my favorite things, those nighttime tours of the cities. So don't take it from us. Let's hear from a couple of listeners. On day one, the first full day of the tour, we had some heavy hitters. We went to Westminster Abbey and Buckingham Palace, which is only open for a few weeks each year. As you will hear Laura say, we hit the sweet spot and slid in on the last day that it was open for the year. So hooray for us. Hooray for Laura pulling that off. Hi, this is Doreen from Michigan. For me, the visit to Westminster Abbey was emotional because it finally sunk in that I was actually in London after months of waiting. We had a wonderful guide telling us all about the history and architecture. It was amazing for me to see the tombs of Elizabeth I and other historical figures from centuries ago in the same place as Stephen Hawking and the realization that it's not a museum, but a place that is still being used today. I'll definitely go back if I ever have the chance to visit London again. As a bonus, it was exciting for me to finally meet Susan and Beckett in person. It was also wonderful to go to these castles and museums without feeling rushed and worrying that my travel partner is bored and waiting for me in the gift shop. Thank you so much to Susan and Beckett and Laura and Jamie for making such a memorable trip for me. Hi, I'm Michelle, and I absolutely loved my trip to London with the History Chicks. I'm so glad I had this opportunity to meet so many amazing people and see so many inspiring places in London. My favorite memory and the place that I would go back to if I ever go back to London again was Westminster Abbey. I remember coming out of the tube station 
and seeing Westminster Abbey and Big Ben and Parliament, and it took my breath away. The tour of Westminster Abbey was amazing. The Blue Badge Guide had so much knowledge and so much information about the history of Westminster Abbey, things that that I didn't even know about. My favorite part of Westminster Abbey was seeing the Henry VII's Chapel because it was absolutely gorgeous with the stained glass windows and the ornate ceiling. I remember looking up at the ceiling, just looking at the detail and thinking it was so absolutely beautiful. I will never forget my trip to London, and I'm just thankful to Susan and Beckett and Laura for curating all these wonderful excursions that we had and allowing us to have a memory of a lifetime. Thank you. I'm excited that we saw Margaret Beaufort. I asked our Blue Badge Guide to make a point of pointing out Anne of Cleves. Others, you know, the famous Elizabeth and Mary combo tomb, the Margaret Beaufort tombs are pretty big. They're pretty spectacular and you can't miss them. You know, the the tomb with the giant porcupine on it. I'll have to (laughs) put a picture in the show notes about that. But Anna Cleves is kind of inoffensively tucked away. So we made a point of going to see her. Also, there are plaques to the Brontes and to Jane Austen. I had to do a little subterfuge and integrate myself into a German-speaking priest-led group to get a photo of those plaques for everyone. (laughs) And I have a spectacular photo with an extraordinarily angry German gentleman glaring at me. So, (laughs) hooray. Hi, everyone. This is Lara Hart. I would like to tell anyone visiting London in September not to miss Buckingham Palace. As the backdrop for all the royal occasions, it really is fascinating to see this beautiful palace in person. It is only open a few weeks each year, and so I felt very fortunate that we were able to visit the palace as part of our field trip. And not only did we get the rare chance to see the palace, we also got to see the coronation exhibit with an up-close look at details uh, from the coronation, including the king and queen's attire that they wore during the ceremony. Uh, Thanks again to all who joined this tour. It's always rewarding for me to watch your friendships develop over the course of the week. I feel that it really is the people that come on these field trips that make the whole experience so worthwhile. I'm already looking forward to the next one. Hello, my name is Michelle, and I also want to submit a special memory. The visit to the state rooms of Buckingham Palace was especially memorable. The art in the picture gallery was, of course, amazing, and Since the tour included an audio guide with headphones, a memory I'm going to keep forever is for a few minutes, I took off my headphones and I was just present in the picture gallery, just taking it all in. And it was so cool because I was surrounded by people, but no one was talking. It was like a silent disco among the Rembrandts. And then walking down the minister's stairs with my hand on the banister, I was thinking about all of the powerful people that have walked down those stairs or up and down those stairs and touched that banister. And I said to my mom, imagine all the people that have touched this banister. And she said, I know I'm going to use sanitizer after this. As to uh, another picture that we took, Jet Graham took advantage of a legality. In London, there is a giant series of underhighway tunnels called the Leak Street Tunnels, and they are a place where you can do graffiti legally. 
And um, part of the shtick of being there, though, is that you have to be okay with people painting right over your work. I didn't realize at what scale he was working. Jet had found a graffiti artist-owned spray paint shop. Who knew that was even a thing? Um, (laughs) Hooray for the internet. And he went there on the metro by himself and made friends with all the dudes and they let him into the secret tunnels and told him about a secret skate park. And he was just his father all over again with all the, I know a guy. And um, so he painted a giant, giant piece at the Lake Street Tunnel. And uh, it was like 15 feet long and 12 feet tall. And you could tell he wanted us to come see it, but didn't want to ask. And I know I'm speaking for you too. We really wanted to go see it, but how do you ask your son, can we go see your not illegal graffiti art? No, he wanted us to come see it. He really did. He kept saying like, well, it's probably going to be painted over by tomorrow. So it's okay if you can't make it back, but you could tell he really wanted us to come see it. And so we did. And uh, he said the whole day that tourists were like, oh, there's a real guy really doing it. You know, so he's probably in a lot of tourists photos. That's pretty cool. It's very cool. And he's in this one. It's my favorite picture from the whole time. You know, I admire you for a lot of things, but I don't get to see you as a parent very often, just like you don't get to see me as a parent very often. That's not part of our relationship too much. So it was such a delight to see how proud you were of this amazing piece of art that your son created on this wall. And I have this photograph of Beckett taking a photo of Jet in front of his masterpiece. I, you know, I'm biased, but uh, it was amazing. It was just fantastic. I loved that moment to be able to see the Hmm. pride that you had and what he did. It was great. I had it too. I was like, I had no idea that he was so artistic. (laughs) All right. Now, day two was another heavy hitter. We had a secret pass, an early access ticket to go see the crown jewels. Now, I don't know if any Disney people in the audience are knowledgeable about something called a rope drop. (laughs) Um, But that's functionally what happens at the Crown Jewels when they open it of a morning. It is two speedways are turned on. You wait in a long crocodile and make your way to the Crown Jewels that you see for 23 seconds on your way by. um, And it's very crowded. And all of that was swept away. With a wave of her hand, Laura Hart got us VIP access. And the people movers that would normally slide us past all those jewels were stopped. We could stop and read everything and admire each piece, read all the backstory, read everything, because this is a group of readers, (laughs) you know, we'll read any plaque anywhere. And um, it was just such a delight. Personally, it was a delight because this was one of the things I really wanted to do the last time we were in London, but I got COVID and I didn't get to go. Mm. So this was like the first thing that we did that I was like, oh my gosh, I finally get to go here. So it was my very first time and I was not disappointed one teeny tiny bit. One of the things I loved being able to tell people that I honestly can't remember how I found it out is that Prince Charles's Prince of Wales crown has a ping pong ball trapped in it. For real. (laughs) And um, no one believed me until I got a beef eater to tell me in front of people that that is true. And she giggled as if to say, oh, no. Oh, no, someone knows. (laughs) Um, It's public knowledge. It's been in the Smithsonian. But nevertheless, it's not on the signs. (laughs) Right. I don't know that I'd put it on the signs either, but it was a really amazing piece of trivia. My favorite piece in that whole place is Queen Victoria's teeny, tiny coronet that she liked to wear worked into her hairdo. Yeah. 
That was lovely. I, there's no way I could pick a favorite, so I'm not even going to try. This is Linda from the London Field Trip. Something that I completely geeked out of was the 20 minutes in the Tower of London that we got to get in before the crowds, before the lines, before they turn on the moving walkway in front of the Crown Jewels and just take as much time as we wanted to study the details, to soak them in, to ask questions to the people who worked there. It was the best 20 minutes of the entire trip and I absolutely loved it. Thank you so much to Like Minds Travel for making it happen. And thank you so much to Susan and Beckett for making the trip happen. And hi to all the chicks. Can't wait to see y'all again. Hi, this is Diane. I enjoyed this trip more than I can even say. It was absolutely spectacular. But I would have to say the one thing that really touched me was meeting and visiting with briefly, a female bee feeder at the Tower of London. That just really kind of stopped me in my tracks. I am spoiled rotten, and I have been to London many times, but not since I've been traveling there when I was 13 years old have I ever seen a female bee feeder. Girl power. I want to especially thank Susan and Beckett, and Laura and Jamie for just such a spectacular trip. Tally-ho! After we left the Crown Jewels and saw the people that were waiting to get in, we were a little bit more grateful than we already had been, and we got to explore the rest of the Tower of London area. It's like a village. It's a village in there. I had no idea. I thought it was just that one building, but inside that building that you see from, you know, when you drive by, there's like a whole village. Well, people live in there. The The bee feeders live there with their families. And at night, they've closed the gate. You know, you can imagine little Barbie Jeeps or whatever cruising mm-hmm. the cobblestones. Right, right. <laughs> True. One of the things that um, really touched Jet, well, he had a, a bad, bad experience and a good, good experience. There was a tower which was used to house prisoners. And over the course of centuries, many of these prisoners have left their mark, literally left their mark on the walls, carving graffiti, Bible verses, curses, their tale, their story. And Jet was reading one and it said something like, I had taken for granted all the good days I had had in my life. And now that it's over, I can do nothing but cry. And Jets realized that this man who was very young was trapped in this room, looking out on to the place where the people outside were building the scaffold for his execution. And he was very somber for a while longer. And then he encountered the tower's kitten and it all brought him back. And he he said, for two pence, I would put this kitten in my bag and get out of here. (laughs) He also said something that I actually stopped to write down because I (laughs) thought it was very interesting and so true. According to Jet Graham, the Tower of London is, quote, like a Renaissance festival, but with less bullshit. phone. I'm like, quoting you. (laughs) Oh, yes. The wisdom of the young. I know. He wasn't wrong. (laughs) That's true. That's funny. This is Heidi. There was so much emotion on this trip. I was first surprised by tears at Scientist Corner at Westminster Abbey. As a scientist myself, I never thought I would stand so close to Isaac Newton, Charles Darwin, and Stephen Hawking. 
I didn't realize they were buried there, and I didn't expect to greet their burial locations on this trip. I just stood there in shock and had to catch up with the group. The second emotional visit was the Tower of London. Just to be in such a historical location was heavy enough, but coming face to face with the staircase where they maybe found the princess in the tower was surreal. The memorial for those executed at Tower Green and the list of those buried at St. Peter's Chapel like Anne Boleyn and Catherine Howard was overwhelming. That day was full of a lot of emotional history. Thank goodness for the lighthearted beef eaters and the Tower Ravens to lighten the mood that day. You know, you really read about all of this history, but never imagine that you will have the opportunity to stand in those exact locations. It was just incredible. After we had had our fill of the Tower of London, we needed to have our fill of food. It was lunchtime. Beckett had spotted this restaurant the last time we were there, so we made a reservation this time. It was called Coppa, C-O-P-P-A, and what it was was these domes like a glass or plexiglass dome that had a table and beautiful, beautiful settings on it right on the river. So we reserved one of those and just kind of grabbed a couple of our fellow travelers to come have lunch with us. And it was worth it. I know there's something to be said, eating outside and wearing a blankie. I'm going to take that. You know, you always say, I'm going to take something from my vacation and make it part of my real life. And you know, I that I could pull off. I have yep. antique quilts and I also have chairs that live outside. So it was pretty spectacular. Another thing that I got to do this time that I didn't get to do the last time is go in the London Eye. I had tickets the last time and I was sick, so I couldn't go. So this time I also had tickets and there were other listeners who wanted to go. They were across town from where we were. So I took an Uber, went to Harrods and met them. And then we walked around Harrods and then we went to the Eye and did the ride just at sunset. It was the perfect time of day to do that. And it was just, again, one of those things that I had wanted to do for so long and I finally got to do it. After our lunch, Beckett and I went off on our own side quests. And one of them was that I really wanted to go to Liberty London, the store. On our last trip, someone had gone there and got Beckett and I little handkerchiefs from there. And it was such a thoughtful gesture that I wanted to get one for her, as well as for people in my family to put in their Christmas stockings. So I went there and Beckett stayed outside. Susan went in, we thought, for a moment or two, and I guess it was like a rabbit warren. So as she got further and further into what was functionally a mm, labyrinth, I don't know, (laughs) um, what was happening inside, Jet Graham saw the Holy Grail. I'm standing here in Soho. Highly recommend, by the way, if you ever want to get lost for a day. I mean, it seems like day drinking is the order of the business of the day there. But Jet Graham heard the siren call of the Doc Martin store and was lost (laughs) to me. So I'm standing there in the middle, loath to lose either of them. And I had a great spate of people watching. Well, I it was a labyrinth. And I got so turned around in that store that when I came out, it didn't even look like the same store because I came out a different entrance. And it wasn't even I didn't even feel like I was in the same town. And I'm just sending you texts going, do not come in here. Do not come in here. You'll never get out. I have no idea where I am. Save yourself, woman. Save yourself. So I took Jet back to Portobello Road and he went vintage shopping and I um, found this antique store that is nothing but like booth after booth, like you go further and further back of antique stores. And I was on the quest for something for Chris Cram called a marrow spoon. And I asked a woman and she said, I don't know what that is. And I showed her a picture. She's like, oh, let me get my son. And so she ran away and this man came back with these two marrow spoons. And I said, I can't believe you have these. And he's like, I can't believe you know what they are. (laughs) 
So it was a great like <laughs> novelty moment for everyone. And <laughs> I got my uh, much cherished souvenir. So that was a very glorious day. It was like full of side quests. It started out with history and ended up with, you know, commerce and sightseeing. That's that's pretty much a, a nice full day. New restaurants, new things for our eyeballs, new things for our minds. It was great. On day four, we took a field trip, Um, a field trip within a field trip, if you will. We went to the glorious Blenheim Palace, home of Consuelo Vanderbilt, one of the original reasons for our show, home of the family of Winston Churchill. (laughs) It was amazing. Yeah, given the choice between Buckingham Palace and Blenheim, I would pick Blenheim every time. It's just as beautiful and opulent. There's more things, I think, inside with a good audio tour of the inside of the palace. And then the gardens are just magical. You know how I love a garden, but this is like a huge, ginormous park with different theme rooms. There's a waterfall with a bridge in front of it that's just very bucolic. And then you go somewhere else and there's a very formal trimmed garden. And then you go somewhere else and you find, which was my favorite, the secret garden. Beckett had found the secret garden before I got there. And she sent out a message in our WhatsApp group telling us how to get in because there was a trick to the gate to it. And quite honestly, without that clue, I probably would have been standing there not being able to open it, thinking it was locked and just staring in wistfully. So I thank you very much for that. Oh, yeah, it was a ring and it was very obvious to the commonsensical mind that you were to pull the ring and the gate should swing open. Oh, no, you grasp the ring and twist your wrist and then the gate comes open. So I guess that's the secret because there was a sign that said secret garden and an arrow. (laughs) Uh, I guess the secret is how to get in. Hi, I'm Delaney and I had such a great time on the London field trip with the History Chicks. And a place that I would say is a must-see when you are in England is Blenheim Palace, especially the gardens. The palace was beautiful, but I think I could have spent more time in the gardens for sure. Um, There's just so much to see, so many different varieties of flowers and plants and buildings and a beautiful waterfall. And we were even there in September, so I think going in uh, the middle of the growing season would even be better. So it's definitely a place that I would say is a must-see, and I would also love to visit it again. So that was amazing. I thought that the curators at this place did a great job. They had costumes from my favorite Bridgerton prequel, Better Than Bridgerton, Queen Charlotte. The costumes were located within the rooms at Blenheim Palace. And some, gosh, such loud cars. I don't know what's happening. Everyone's like just speeding through here. A couple of ladies asked about each other. They were asking each other about Queen Charlotte. And I told them a couple of things and they were amazed. And of course, I handed them cards because I'm no slouch and had them in my handbag. (laughs) And then one of the ladies looked at her friend and said, you know, it's very shameful that someone has to come all the way from America to teach us about our history. We need to do a better job. Oh, and the other ladies nodded. Oh, interesting. So I hope I started a a little friend group there talking about Queen Charlotte. 
One of my favorite things that happened in Blenheim Palace and not the Gladys Deacon Sphinxes, which I continue to think are <laughs> horrendous and scary, um, whatever. I persist in taking pictures of them every time I see them. But I was in the library and I asked the man that was on guard there. I sidled up to him and I said, hey, if you could make off with any book in this library and no one would ever find out, which book will it be? And he said there's a first edition of Dickens' Great Expectations that would be his first choice. So the fact that he had an immediate ready answer yeah. <laughs> to, to give me was uh, pretty spectacular. I, I like a bit of naughtiness like that, that he'd been thinking about that the whole time he'd been working there. <laughs> Just waiting for you to come by and ask him the question. Love it. Love it. Yep. One thing that we got to do this time was the below stairs servants tour of Blenheim Palace. The first time we'd gone upstairs and a couple people had figured out a way that to get to the tour that was in the servants' quarters. So this time we all got to go and it was fantastic. The Duke, who actually still maintains rooms there, ordered all of the downstairs rooms to have their functions painted, repainted upon them. And so the butler had painted on the servants' hall, servants' hall, and the Duke in his egalitarian way, objected to this and said it should be called Staff. Staff <laughs> Hall. <laughs> like, okay, dude. Okay, then in honor of that, I guess we should say we took the Staff Tour. It yes. just doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? No. It doesn't have that upstairs-downstairs feel. And we ran into the Duke's butler, who was ironing at the time, and the Duke's butler was embarrassed because he was wearing a tracksuit. <laughs> He did not know that he was going to be, uh, his visage was going to be examined by so many American eyeballs that day. Well, you know what I thought was great about that is that we got to see that the area is still being used for its original purpose. Right. They still do laundry down there. They still store things down there. That wine cellar was, oh my gosh, that was something else. We couldn't get in there. We could look through the gate, <laughs> but that's as close as we got. And they were talking about, and I still have yet to figure out exactly who this is, but the florist named Molly, who's the boss of downstairs on flower arranging day. Everyone's <laughs> sort of medium afraid and does whatever she says. <laughs> I thought that was great. This is Leanne. I wanted to go on this London adventure to see the sites, to learn more about the historical events and historical people. But I also wanted to try to imagine what these characters felt. For example, at the tower, I imagined what Anne Boleyn felt when she went through the Tater's Gate for the first time for her coronation. Pure joy and excitement. But then the terror she must have felt when she went through it a second time for her trial, imprisonment, and eventual execution. I also imagined the butterflies that Winston Churchill felt when he asked Clementine to marry him at one of the Follies on the Blenheim grounds and the pure joy when she said yes. I felt many emotions of my own, one being when I went into Buckingham Palace and there was a room where that led onto a balcony with long flowing curtains and imagined it that to be the one where Princess Elizabeth waved to the crowds on V-Day and where Princess Diana and Prince Charles kissed for the first time after their wedding. I was teary-eyed. I was so overcome. But then my teary-eyedness turned to embarrassment when the docent said, that's not the balcony. Thank you to all. It was a great trip. 
On day five, we took to the streets, the streets of central London, that is, to take a suffragette walking tour. We broke into groups, and I think the tours were not exactly the same based on what I was hearing afterwards. They hit the same spots, but of course, with a different tour guide, just like with us, you're going to hear different things because that's what interests them. Like I could go on about gardens for days and you could not, (laughs) right? Oh, I love a garden. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to make a point. Agree with me. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) One thing about our lady is she was a giant fan of Margaret Thatcher. And I know we have not covered Margaret Thatcher, but I can tell you from here, that is not going to be my position. (laughs) So she dropped a fun fact that I'm definitely including in our Margaret Thatcher coverage, which is maybe one of her major redeeming features. Can't wait to drop that on you. Okay. Since I wasn't in your group and my guide was very interested in Emmeline Pankhurst. So we heard a lot about Emmeline Pankhurst. My guide was very anti her. Really? Very anti. I would be so interested to get them in a room like mano a mano with debate. She was very dismissive of Emmeline Pankhurst's techniques about how she disregarded laws and regulations. She was very, you know, it kind of actually makes sense. If someone liked Margaret Thatcher, they would like the status quo Mm -hmm. and be irritated that someone did not choose to work within it. So that is very interesting to me. Yeah, that is interesting because we spent a lot of time hearing about the accomplishments of Emmeline Pankhurst standing at the foot of her statue, which was in a, another park. Hmm. And we heard a lot about how how sad it is that this motherly figure is, everyone thinks that she is the blah, 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 when it's actually her daughter, Christabel, who's not represented by anything but a symbol to the left and that kind of thing. I'm just like, wow, you know what? People... People are interesting, aren't mm-hmm. they? They and, are. Um, and you take you take your own experience and run with it. So um, as we have covered neither of those ladies yet in our podcast, it'll be interesting to go through that. Hi, this is Denise from Oklahoma. And it was really hard to pick a favorite because every day that we did something in London, that became my favorite. I think I was mostly moved by the Women's Suffragette Tour. I am currently the first female CEO of my organization that started in 1907. So I was particularly moved when we realized that those women that had fought for our right to vote also cleared the way for us to be leaders, to be political leaders, to run for office in a way that we had never seen that before. So I was very moved by that because I realized those women in the late 1800s and early 1900s paved the way for us, our daughters, our granddaughters to be incredible leaders. So I thought it was just incredible. Uh, Laura from Like Minds Travel was incredible. Also, there was so much that she did to make sure that we all had a fantastic trip. Uh, Susan and Beckett were always there with lots of information encouraging us. And so it was just a really, really good trip. And London was fantastic. After our tour and after our lunches, we regrouped and we walked to what is one of my favorite things that we do, afternoon tea at Fortnum and Mason with an etiquette lesson. We had the same etiquette expert that we had last time. We were kind of blown away by the fact that we had the deputy lord mayoress of Belfast as our tour guide. And this time, her husband is a member of the Irish Parliament. 
It was great to see her, Eileen, again. You know, it's like, oh, hey, we know you. So um, I am again, I am again. A, can't hold the cups because my thumbnails are too long. (laughs) Sorry, Eileen, can't do. Um, And I still don't like clotted cream. (gasps) I tried it again. I don't like it. Oh, my goodness. I wish I was sitting next to you because I turned to the person next to me and pointed to the tub of clotted cream that we were going to share. And I said, I'll race you to the bottom. <laughs> and by the end, I mean, we we had our good manners on, so we weren't actually licking it. But we got to the bottom because we both loved it so much. And if you ever have afternoon tea, it sounds delicate. It is a meal. It was all I needed until probably noon the next day. So much food. I love coronation chicken. I think it tastes delightful. And that's my favorite part of afternoon tea. And I would eat coronation chicken and cucumber sandwiches. And like, if they just give me more of that. The coronation chicken, that's the one that had like the um, curry in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Again, too bad we weren't sitting next to each other because I would have given you my coronation chicken. (laughs) I just love it so much. Oh, yeah. I, I don't care for curry. So, but man, those cucumber and mint and basil sandwiches. Oh. So good. After our beautiful tea, we were set free into Fortnum and Mason, which is floor upon floor of specialty foods and chinas and anything eating, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. Eating and cooking. And they also have one floor that has uh, fabric items and a perfume area. While I was standing outside directing traffic up to where we were going to be meeting for the tea, I was standing in front of a window and there was a perfume advertised and it had every single scent that I just love in perfumes. I made a beeline after tea to go get some of this perfume. It's Fortnum 1707 Lilas and it has iris and jasmine and orange blossom and tuberose and sandalwood. There's some vanilla and some musk in there. It is all the things I love. So I got up to the perfume section. I went right to this perfume and someone asked, can I spray that on your skin? And I said, yes, please. And it smelled like our entire trip to me. There was kind Mm -hmm. of a library smell in there too. That must've been the musk florals. It was, it smelled to me like the UK. And I said, that's it. I want this. How much is it? And she said, 377 pounds. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's a lot. Do you have a smaller one? They do not. And there's no way I could get that bottle, could get it home, and they don't ship to the United States. So I just went around it. Every time I saw someone from our tour, I had them smell my arm because that's all I'm going to have is that moment. Maybe you could put the sleuths on it. What's its name? It's Fortnum's 1707 Lilas, L-I-L-A-S mm. is the name of it. Yeah. In U.S. dollars, it's $377. So I honestly <sighs> said pounds, but I really don't know uh, what it was in pounds. Yeah, that's a bit much. So I was on the hunt for a certain perfume. Joe Malone had this chocolate orange perfume. Mm. Joe Malone is British. And I found a Joe Malone store, and it turns out that was a limited edition. <laughs> oh. <laughs> decades old limited edition. Oh. Of course it is. <laughs> I'm like, well, all right. I guess I won't be having that. So I'll just yeah. eat a chocolate orange. <laughs> um, I did get a souvenir I forgot to mention at Blenheim Palace. I um, My tradition is to buy a bottle of gin there and then um, drag it with me through the rest of the trip. Hooray. So I did get one. I got Blenheim's Gardener's Gin made with botanicals grown on the estate. I also got some liqueur. 
in Blenheim. It was a little taster of different organic liqueurs. And I was going to bring it home and break it up and put it in people's stockings, but I quickly learned that it tastes delicious in tea. So I didn't bring it home. <laughs> you brought you brought it home um, inside of your spirit. That's right. And as a memory, just like Fortnum 1707 Lila's. <laughs> That's funny. Well, Susan and I had an expedition to the West End ourselves. We went to see Matilda. In 2013, Beckett and I had gone to New York and there was one thing she wanted to do and that was go see Matilda and we couldn't get tickets and she was just heartbroken. So being able to do this 10 years later with right. her, I was so happy to be able to do it, not just not just because I'm her friend, but the show was amazing. It's worth the hype. Yeah, the the it's the choreography and set design are integrated. I don't even know. I don't even know what those rehearsals look like. I am amazed. <laughs> um, and I stand by my conviction, never yet proven wrong, that first row balcony is the best seat in the house in any theater I've ever been in. First row balcony, center, yeah. best seat. Yep. Those are great seats. It's like you're, you're just looking right at the stage. You don't have an obstructed view. And for people like you and I who are vertically challenged, right. that happens a lot. Yeah. On to day six. Day six is a big one. Day six is the day of tears. It's the day of happiness. It's the day <laughs> of I can't believe I'm here. Our first stop was in Chawton, where we got to see Jane Austen's house. And I was afraid, having been there before, that it wouldn't have as much oomph. But I was wrong, happily. It was just as exciting to see it the second time. And maybe because we were seeing it through the eyes of our new friends who hadn't been there yet. One of my favorite pictures that anyone took on this trip, there were a pair of sisters. One of them convinced the other to put on a Regency-style dress <laughs> and bonnet and carry a parasol. And at first, the dressed-up sister was reluctant. And then finally, it was like, ah, uh, I'm just with friends or whatever, and started flouncing about the garden, not realizing her sister had been filming the whole time. And when she turned around and realized she was being filmed, the look of absolute, like, joy and happiness on her face is emblematic of uh -huh. how people were feeling on this day. I love yeah. it so much. Yeah, I, I do too. Hi, this is Kathy. I'm a big Jane Austen fan and what a thrill it was to go to her house in Chaunton. And it was even more special because I was with a group who was as thrilled as I was. When the bus neared the village, I started singing, I'm so excited to my husband. He was a wonderful rooster on the trip, but he couldn't quite understand my elation. However, a few minutes later, I heard another history chick singing the same song as we pulled up to that charming brick cottage. It was incredible to see where Jane ate and slept and took walks. It was endearing to see some of her treasures, including two crosses that her brother had bought Jane and her sister with some prize money he earned as a sailor. It was amazing to see Jane's actual writing desk, just a tiny round table where she wrote such marvelous and world-changing books. What struck me the most, though, was that the wallpaper in the dining room was flawed. It was rosebud wallpaper, but the bud of the rose was missing and hadn't been printed on the wallpaper. So they had hung the wallpaper upside down in hopes that no one would notice the missing flower part. Because of this flaw, the family had probably gotten the wallpaper on sale. It just really struck me how real the Austins were and how hard they tried to be proper, even if they weren't loaded with money. 
Kathy, who you just heard from, she and her husband, because this happens, we never, for some reason, have the roosters call in. They don't ever call. But several wives and husbands or fiancés came. There were men on our trip, contrary to all the women's voices you're hearing today. And one of them was Kathy and her husband, Robert. And the world is so small. Now, they are also from Kansas City. But you have to know, we, yeah, we're from Kansas City, but that's not where most of our listeners are. So to be able to sit down and have lunch with a listener who is from our area was kind of a treat. And it turns out that both of us work for the same newspaper and we're friends with the same editor. So I had her picture of me to send to our friend Elaine saying, guess who I'm traveling with? It's just a small world. And I love it when those little small world moments happen. And that was one of them. One of our new friends, traveler Kate, unfortunately has bronchitis and can't make a recording. She said it, she sounds really bad. So she sent me what she would say. So imagine this is Kate from Vermont saying this. One thing that made me go wow was seeing Jane Austen's writing desk in person. It was mind-blowing to see it still intact. The tangibility of the history I've only heard about on podcasts or read about in books is just awe-inspiring. The tangibility of the desk made it apparent to me that in the grand scheme of the world, it really wasn't that long ago that female authors had to hide the fact that they were writing because it was frowned upon. We really still have so much work to do. This is Susan talking now. Another thing about Kate is that she has a little daughter and she brought her back a stuffed corgi from her trip to London. And now the stuffed corgi is named Susan. Ah, I know. Now, Queen Elizabeth's corgi, the OG corgi, was Susie, right? Wasn't Susan. I thought it was Susan. Oh. I could be wrong. No, I don't know. I thought it was Susie, but whatever. I'm just going to say it's named after me. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody names their kids Susan anymore. So even just a stuffed dog named Susan is a bonus. Hi, this is Sandy. I really enjoyed my London field trip with the History Chicks. One place I would not miss is the small village of Chawton. This is where Jane Austen lived and wrote. We took a walk just outside the village to Chawton House, the home of Jane Austen's brother. Along the way, we saw a bunch of sheep grazing, a pretty yellow cat in the field, and a little stand selling homemade marmalade and jam. We walked back through the town full of thatched roof homes and took a walk on the public footpath. We ended up at Mingledown Woods. This was owned by Jane Austen's brother, and she wrote about it in her novels. It was a nice, peaceful walk, and we were greeted by a big black horse on our way back who wanted to be petted. It was nice to get out of busy London for the day to see the beautiful green countryside of England. I want to thank Susan, Beckett, Laura, and Jamie for a wonderful trip of a lifetime. So from Jane Austen's house, we went to a much bigger house, <laughs> equally as famous, perhaps. We pulled up in the bus to the theme from Downton Abbey as we pulled up in front of the photogenic Highclere Castle. Stand in for the famous Downton Abbey. Hello, this is Jamie with Like Minds Travel. This is the second History Chicks tour that I have been fortunate enough to be a part of. And I have to say, I'm always so impressed and amazed at how quickly the group gels. It's like in just a matter of days, you have 50 new friends and everyone was just so much fun and it was truly a delight to be there and be with you all. I think for me, the highlight, and there were many, but I narrowed down my highlight as Highclere Castle. I mean, we were pulling up this beautiful English countryside. 
Laura turns on the Downton theme and I just start getting emotional. I'm tearing up and we pull through the gates and there's the stately castle that I just feel is kind of like home to me. So that was an incredible moment. We walked right through the front door like we were Lady Grantham and it was amazing. And we also had a very interesting bus driver. (laughs) So I guess it's one of those, if you know, you know, but it was just a delightful day. And thank you, Susan and Beckett, for this amazing group and to Lara for all of your hard work putting this trip together. We were able to show off our tea drinking skills right away because we had a private tea in that grand hallway. You've seen it on Downton Abbey before where they have their Christmas tree, where they're always meeting before they go up or down the stairs. We had a tea in there tea and some biscuits. It was kind of amazing how easily, as we're standing in the famous dining room that they really did use for filming, we're standing in the dining room surrounded by portraits of all the generations of people who have owned this house and then castle before. And the way, the simplicity with which our tour guide untangled what could have been a very complicated family tree type Mm -hmm. of history was um, very amazing to me and, and very understandable. And downstairs, one of the lords of the castle, quite famously, was on the expedition that discovered the tomb of King Tutankhamun in the 1920s. So um, there were quite a bit of artifacts downstairs related to that discovery. Also, I was gratified to see that they also had some marrow spoons. (laughs) So I knew that my souvenir for Chris Graham was uh, the real deal. (laughs) One of my favorite non-historic moments, our tour group laid waste to the gift shop at Highclere Castle. And by laid waste, I mean, I don't even know. I, they'll all have to lie down after we left. <laughs> We're wandering around with full baskets. And a husband, I won't be too specific, a rooster, comes in and says, oh, that's what the world needs, more trinkets. And as one woman, everyone in that gift shop said, get out! <laughs> <laughs> They had some really cute stuff. I bought a dressing gown that I had bought for my daughter. Everybody bought a dressing gown. They are so pretty. (laughs) I'll put a picture in in the show notes. It's just very vintage looking with really pretty trims. But I bought this dressing gown to give to my daughter for Christmas. But the next day, I realized that I could have used one getting out of the shower. So now it's mine. She buys drinks for people's stockings and drinks it. She buys dressing gowns and wears them. In my defense, I was going to do Christmas shopping on our trip, and I did manage to have to buy a new suitcase because I had so many Christmas presents. So some of them came to me, yes, (laughs) but more went out. On day seven, we went to Hampton Court, which is, of course, the home of our, and I quote, favorite king, the man we'd love to taste, Henry VIII. <laughs> if you watched the Tudors, you got a graphic representation of how this castle came into Henry VIII's possession. Cardinal Wolsey, who was not handling the divorce the way he should have handled it, was sort of forced slash (laughs) incentivized to give the palace that he had been lovingly building and restoring to his monarch to save his bacon, (laughs) literally. And thus it came into the king's possession. 
my middle child, who is a grown man, is a middle school history teacher. And he and his class were following our trip historically. So I called him from Hampton Court and kind of did some FaceTiming with him to show him places in there as we were walking around. And he and his class were so thrilled with that. I was glad I was able to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, just bringing some history to his class that had nothing to do with their lesson plans. They're not studying British history. You know, they're on American history, but American history and British history are pretty closely tied. Especially in this particular castle, there is a wing that has been restored to its Georgian, you know, after use, after market, after Henry VIII was all done and gone, some future monarchs came, um, the last ones to use it. And um, actually, I think that's my favorite part of Hampton Court is the Georgian part of it. Mm. Um, more elaborate, more um, palatial. Yeah. I happened to notice there was a lot of trompe here, like a lot of um, things painted to look like they had been carved plaster. And I made a mental note of that and came up again the next day. I mean, I'll tell you about it in the next day. Hi, this is Linda from the London Field Trip. Something that surprised me on this trip was the day we visited Hampton Court Palace. Because I don't know why, but I thought this place burned to the ground in the Great Fire of London. It seemed like kind of a big chunk of time to spend looking around a field with some rocks in it, but I was game. I got on the bus, and imagine my surprise when we pulled up in front of a fully functional palace. I got to go through the kitchens where they made food for Henry VIII. I stood in the grand hall where Henry VIII and Anne Boleyn feasted together. I had no idea this place was still standing. It was such a wonderful surprise and a chunk of history that I had thought had been lost forever. Loved the tour. Hi to Susan and Beckett. Thank you so much for making it happen. And I can't wait to see all the wonderful chicks again. After we got back to our hotel, most of us got ourselves gussied up because we were going to the theater. It was a theme day. We were going to see Six, which is a fast-paced pop musical about the six wives of Henry VIII. Theme days, love them. Laura Hart had purchased a block of tickets. Most of them were up in the balcony. About seven of them, however, were in the stalls. And she's passing out the tickets, and I saw mine, and I said, stall. And she's like, stall? Why are we in the stall? And the woman behind me said, just take it and go. Go to the stall. And she grabbed one too. Stalls are down on the floor. We were about eight rows back from the stage, and it was a different experience being that close and seeing all the sequins on the costumes. Hmm. Yeah, I just got my little glass of Prosecco and enjoyed the show. What's your favorite song in Six? I have to say Anne of Cleves songs, and now maybe because I was once a DJ at... Oh, techno clubs that I am particularly fond. No spoiler of Anne of Cleves' work. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I can't disagree with that. And I was not a DJ <laughs> at all. <laughs> so yeah, no, that is absolutely my favorite. I'm the queen of the castle. Get down, you dirty rascal. Get down. Sorry. <laughs> Sonia. And one of my favorite things that my sister and I who took the trip together stumbled upon was Brompton Cemetery, later finding out as we did the suffragette tour that Pankhurst um, was buried there. We didn't go back to see her grave, but it was still just amazing to know that we had stumbled upon that just walking around on day one. Um, another favorite memory and one of my most favorite days was touring the tower. 
um, which seems a little bit gloomy, but it was, it was absolutely amazing having the actual tour guide there and somebody able to tell you every step that you took and what had happened, um, where people were beheaded, like Anne Boleyn, where she was buried in the chapel and being able to go in and see that later in the day. Next would probably be driving up to Downton Abbey or Highclere Castle and the music being played. Great touch, Laura. And I'd probably wrap it up with Hampton Court. Um, Henry VIII is a favorite and his six wives. And then going to the play later that night was absolutely the finishing touch to an amazing trip and meeting amazing people. Mostly, though, spending the week with an amazing sister. So um, I'll wrap it up there. Thank you, ladies. All right, that brings us to day eight. Day eight, we went to the V&A, the Victoria and Albert Museum, sort of a leftover, if you will, from the 1851 Great Exhibition. One of the things we saw at the V&A, for those who hadn't had enough of the crown jewels, there's actually an entire jewel exhibit. Mm-hmm. And we saw another of Queen Victoria's famous coronets were there. The original Consuelo, Consuelo Manchester, for whom our Consuelo Duchess of Marlborough had been named one of her neck-breaking giant <laughs> tiaras. It's housed there, and as a matter of fact, their exhibition goes all the way through the um, 60s and 70s, so mm-hmm. um, from ancient times all the way to relatively modern. It's organized in such a way that you aren't overwhelmed. Like I could easily have shut down after five or ten minutes in there because there was so much sparkles, but it was organized in such a way that I just kept going and looking at the next thing. There was a collection of signet rings and talked about the history of signet rings. And I wear my mother's signet ring and I had it on me that day and didn't even realize that that's what I was going to see. So that was a moment where I was like, okay, mom's with me still like it. Hmm. And then we saw also the history of, I called it the history of fashion and the museum guide just says clothes. (laughs) And I said, yes. And so we went to see the clothes exhibit. And that takes you from approximately, let's call it 1800 on to the 1980s. Speaking of Queen Victoria, after we had lunch and our self-guided tours around the V&A Museum, we went to Kensington Palace for a self-guided tour. Kensington Palace is where Queen Victoria grew up. So we got to see the rooms that she lived and played in as a child, the stairs that she was never allowed to go down without someone holding on to her until she was actually queen. So that was interesting in of itself. But there was an exhibit there called Crowned to Couture. What it was, was modern day pieces of high fashion, like think Met Gala outfits right next to traditional um, Victorian era or Georgian era clothing. So it was kind of this juxtaposition of modern clothing with old clothing. It was very interesting and it drew a lot of people. It was very busy there in Kensington Palace. So I have to tell you, I'm going to tell a story on Susan. 
A listener had come down to London from her home up north with the hope of maybe being able to intersect with us and being able to find us. And Kensington Palace, while usually full, was not usually this full. And I think she was a little dismayed to see the crowds, but she thought, you know, I'll just sit and I'll and I'll see what happens. I'll see if I can recognize a group of, of ladies altogether, or maybe somebody will say something. And she, over the entire excited crowd talking about Billy Porter's Met Gala outfit, she heard a voice that she recognized. <laughs> her head perked up, her ear cocked to the side. Is that, could it be? Yes, it was. It was Susan Vollenweider's voice rising above the noise of the crowd. Coincidentally, you and I were talking, so she got her confirmation that it was us when she came up. We really didn't interact a whole lot in some of these places, so it was just fate. Really, we happened to be talking at that that very moment, and it's more fate that my voice carries. So rather than putting these on the days in which they happened, we thought we would give you some of the calls from places we like to call side quests. My name is Claire. Visiting the war rooms was a must-see for me. It turned out several others on the tour were interested too, so we all headed there together on a free afternoon. The war rooms were hidden underground and used by Churchill and his team to track and plan war activities. The day the war ended, the rooms were immediately sealed up. Nothing was stored or moved. Decades later, the rooms were opened up and turned into a museum. You can see where people worked and see the actual desks, phones, and maps they used. There was one map that was used to track convoys and supplies in Europe. You could still see each pinpoint from the pushpins used to mark the locations. It was amazing. There were recordings with those who worked there, including women who shared their experiences of living and working underground. There was also a museum on Churchill, which had details on all stages of his life from beginning to end, including a lock of his hair when he was little and his paintings when he was older. I would highly recommend visiting the war rooms. For me, sharing the museum with new History Chicks friends made it even more special. My name is Shay, and I am from Florida. My mom and I went on this once-in-a-lifetime trip. We are so grateful for the history chicks, Beckett and Susan, and for Like Minds Travel, Laura and Jamie, who put together an outstanding experience in London. Everything we did on this trip was exciting and so surreal, so it's hard to only talk about one thing. But a side quest that my mom and I and a few other ladies took was touring the Churchill War Rooms. Obviously, I love history, and World War II history is one of my top events to learn about. The war rooms were an out-of-body experience, from first walking into the bunker, the smells, the lighting, and the fact that everything is exactly how they left it at the end of the war gives you a true feeling of what it was like during World War II. You first see the cabinet war room, one of the most important rooms, to seeing the actual door from 10 Downing Street to the map rooms where three actual sugar cubes from one of the officers was left when they turned off the lights and locked the door for the first time in six years. Also, Churchill's bedroom where he actually addressed the nation, and we had a fire drill that we weren't sure if that was part of the experience, but it wasn't, And um, so, but it truly gave you a, a real feeling of what it was like down there during a bombing raid. So much more, but I don't have enough time. I made many new friends from around the world, and I hope we all get to travel together again. Thank you again to Susan, Beckett, Laura, and Jamie. Amazing adventure. Hello, my name is Michelle. And this is my side quest story. 
While in London, I wanted to swim in the Thames River. I found a group, but it didn't work out. Anywho, I thought I could sweet-talk the Hyde Park Serpentine Swimming Club, established in 1864, for a quick dip. I was promptly told no, like in Pretty Woman. You can't shop here. You can't swim here. A few other swimmers recommended Hampstead Heath Ponds in North London. Well, the tube doesn't go there, and after walking a mile in the wrong direction, I took an Uber. I was dropped off on a tiny cobblestone road next to complete wilderness. Turns out, Hampstead Heath is an 800-acre wild park that inspired C.S. Lewis's Narnia, and honestly, I felt like Robin Hood was going to pop out at any minute. I found a nice lady who led me up and down through meadows on a muddy path to the pond. When we finally arrived, there were probably 30 to 40 women swimming, heads above the water, some with beanies on, some with those like old-timey swim caps with the flowers on them, chatting, swimming, in clumps. I jumped right in. The water was cold and murky, but the lifeguards on duty said the water quality was fine. Anyway, I swam. There were ducks, and it was fun. Pretty sure I was the only tourist there. On the way home, I got lost in Highgate, the highest point in London with incredible views. But that's a story for another time. Hello, this is Leanne. One of my side trips was just to walk around South Kensington and Notting Hill. I try to do this in any new city that I visit. It allows me to get to know the city better. So instead of just looking down, I started to look up. And on quite a few buildings, there were blue markers that would indicate famous historical people who lived in these homes. I got to see where Bob Marley once lived. I got to see where Sir John Gilgood lived. I also saw where Beatrix Potter House used to stand in Old Brompton. To my surprise, I also saw the old flat where Lady Diana Spencer lived before she became engaged to Prince Charles. I do believe that I will continue my photo safari the next time I visit London. Thank you, Beckett. Thank you, Susan. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Jamie. And thanks to all the other history chicks and roosters that went on the London trip 2023. Bye. Hi, this is Carol. I got to spend this trip with my sister-in-law, Allison. Susan and Beckett and Laura planned such a wonderful itinerary for us, and we got to see so many iconic and wonderful things. But Allison and I decided we would take a side trip over to Windsor. Windsor is such an amazing little town. It was lovely, and we spent some time walking around and going into some of the shops. And then we got to go and visit Windsor Castle. The castle is stunning and so full of history. We got to see the recently rediscovered painting by Artemisia Gentileschi and some other amazing treasures from all over the world. St. George's Chapel was beautiful, too, and we got to see the resting place of Queen Elizabeth. I hope to always remember this trip and the camaraderie everyone shared. It was a really wonderful trip, and thank you to the History Chicks, Beckett and Susan, and to Laura. This was just nonstop amazing. Hi, this is Deanne. A few of us went to see the play Dr. Semmelweis in the West End. It contained three of my favorite things, obstetrics, ballet, and Mark Rylance. It was a beautiful production, and being able to share the experience with new like-minded friends was very special. 
Another magical moment for me was walking around an old graveyard near our hotel by myself and finding the grave of Emma Pankhurst. For some reason, this brought history to life for me more than anything else on the trip. If you get a chance, do not hesitate to take a tour with the History Chicks. This was my second, and once again, Susan, Beckett, and Laura from Like Minds Travel put together an amazing experience. Thank you so much, and thank you, Susan and Beckett, for creating this podcast, this community, and I look forward to traveling with you again. Hello, this is Sari. With apologies to Dickens, the History Chicks field trip to London was only full of the best of times. Everything that they planned for us was spectacular and thoroughly enjoyed and something that was up my alley. But I had also wanted to see Borough Market and shop at Liberty London and visit Charles Dickens' house. And I was able to do that after seeing the crown jewels up close and personal on Sunday morning. I found a companion, Claire, who was also interested in going to the borough market, and we made it there across London Bridge, sampled pies from Pie Minster, and I ate a kidney pie, steak and kidney pie, and I also found a, an amazing cheese shop and a new modern London tea shop in the area. Definitely go if you have the chance. But then I went off on my own to see Charles Dickens' house, something I'd wanted to see for a long time, and while he is not perfect it was really a pilgrimage for me and a, and a moment to be able to see the desk where he wrote, to see the kitchens in his home, and to be there with others who valued his writing. And after that, I took a 45-minute walk that was only pure joy across town to Oxford Circus area and to Regent Street, where I shopped at Liberty London. Thank you to Susan, Beckett, Laura, Jamie, and all my fellow History Chicks travelers for a trip that was the best of times. The last thing that we do on all of these tours is have a big dinner together. And this time we had it in the hotel we were staying at. We were all in this room together and having our last meal and saying our goodbyes. And that listener who had found us at Kensington Palace, we were able to bring her along with us. And she was just integrated into the group. I wouldn't have even known who she was if I hadn't met her before. I would have been like, how did I miss that person on our tour? I know there's 50 people, but still. <laughs> but she was just welcomed into the group, which is something that happens at these dinners every time. And it warms my heart every single time. Something that gets me every time, and, and I notice it more, say, on the bus like on our way to Jane Austen's house or, um, you know, certainly this this last dinner. If you just close your eyes and listen, just the, the chatter, the joy, the like, oh, guess what, blah, 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 of people who, you know, four days ago hadn't ever known each other existed. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Making friends across nations, really. I don't know. Lifelong friends in some yeah. cases. And getting to share those experiences with them that, things that they both are interested in. That's the beauty of this. Hi, this is Beth. Susan Beckett, thank you so much for a wonderful experience. I'm so happy that I finally got to meet you face-to-face. -face. Uh, Laura, Jamie, you really led us through some crazy places in London, through the tubes and whatnot. I, I don't know how you did it, but thank you. You were great. Um, it was really fun meeting everybody. I uh, had a great time going by myself, but I, I just felt really comfortable and I never felt alone. 
Um, my highlight was the Chanel exhibit, of course, at the V&A and Highclere Castle, Downton Abbey, the hysterical laughter of us singing, I'm Henry VIII, I am, I am, pulling up to Hampton Court. My most impactful moment was going to Westminster Abbey, for sure. Uh, just seeing all the places that there that I've, I've watched, the coronations, the funerals, the marriages of the royal family. It was really amazing, and I think was something that I didn't know was all the multitudes of people that are buried there, from Stephen Hawkins, Shakespeare, even down to a plumber. I mean, I think the thoughtful uh, choices of people being interred there is, is pretty special. Hi, this is Caroline. I hope that my memory of the trip never fades just in general. This was my first time really going out of the country and traveling with a group of like-minded people. And it was just so magical to be in an environment where it's just a cohesive group. Everyone is on the same page. You don't have to explain why you're so excited to see High Claire or to go to the Victoria and Albert Museum or to get to have high tea. You don't have to make any explanations because you're all equally excited to do it together. Um, I would go on a trip with any other listeners and know that I would have an amazing time. And I just hope the feeling of that magic never goes away. So thanks for coming along on our audio journey. And we hope soon to see you out in the world on a physical journey. Thanks for listening. Bye. the devil in the whiskey
Whiskey, it's the devil in the whiskey, not me. 